0: Jimmy Murray here with Frank Patilano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash-flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to episode 21,
1: Wholesaling. I'm Frank, and I'm here with Jimmy, and we're here to help you crush your
0: goals in real estate. So guys, I know that we haven't talked about this in a couple of episodes, but if this podcast hits home, we would absolutely appreciate it if you could give us a share, uh, either on Facebook or share with a friend via text message. It helps us continue to impact more folks' lives through investing in real estate. Our goal when we started this, I can remember talking on podcast episode number one, we're not interested in generating income from the podcast, we're really focused and interested in giving back to help help impact more lives really um i know that frank and i both had great mentors that got us started investing in real estate and it's and those mentors really helped us get to where we are today we had to put in a lot of hard work ourselves but without the valuable information we gained from mentors in the beginning we we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are and i think frank seconds that um but if you guys could give us a share if this one hits home or any other podcast hits home send us a dm on instagram if you see some content that we'd like give us a share we sincerely appreciate it absolutely we're giving
1: back a lot uh right now through not just through the podcast but through some educational stuff obviously our time is valuable and uh we don't give away everything for free but um
0: you always get a great value out of the things that we give away we try our best we try our best so if there's anything you guys think we can do better Shoot us a DM. We're here for you. We want to make this podcast extremely valuable and provide the educational content to help you further your real estate investing.
1: I respond, and Jimmy does too, but I know I personally respond to DMs every single day through Instagram and through Facebook based on what people are watching and viewing and listening through the podcast and every all the other content that we put up.
0: And if you're in a local market and you're stuck without a buyer... Uh, For a potential wholesale deal. We got you there too. We can certainly help out. Without further ado. Wholesaling. (laughs) So. A lot of folks when they get started in real estate investing. If they don't have a lot of money. They get started as a wholesaler. So Frank do you need money to wholesale? Do you need money? No but it sure as heck helps a lot. I totally did wholesaling wrong. It cost me a ton of money via yellow letter marketing, but I was able to lock up a few deals. Um, But I think that's another common misconception with wholesaling is that it doesn't cost any money. It does cost some dollars, but there is a really good opportunity in the beginning. If you start out as a wholesaler to leverage more of your time and less of your capital.
1: So absolutely. That's the main thing I would say is that compared to buying like typical multi-families off of MLS through a broker where you need to put down 25% if you're not living in it. Okay? If you compare that to wholesaling, wholesaling generally costs a lot less money. But there are people and there are people advertising in many different ways. So if you're advertising every day on Instagram or on Facebook, you can do it with a lot less money versus uh, if you're
0: putting out more paid advertising. So Let's get back to the basics here and the, the, the biggest question is what is wholesaling, right? So a lot of newbies that get started here, but a lot of them, even though they get started, don't have a really firm understanding of what it is. So we went out to the internet and pulled a quick definition here. Wholesaling real estate is when someone puts a distressed home under contract with the intent to assign that contract to another buyer. So essentially, your target as a wholesaler is to find distressed properties or distressed sellers. Whether they need to sell quickly or they have a problem with the property that they can't solve, those are the types of folks that you're looking for. And as a wholesaler, you're looking to assign it to a typically a cash buyer. So someone who can come in and solve that seller's headache quickly. I'm gonna
1: pause and bust your butt there for a second. Jimmy did not have to look that up on Google, or wherever he looked it up. <laughs> Jimmy has done wholesaling. That's how he started in this business. But I think he just wanted something that was quick and concise just to make sure. I mean, shoot, I've wholesaled a couple deals before. I don't like to do it, but I've done it. Wholesaling is not that hard to do. You, you find a property that needs a lot of work, or the, the sellers just don't care. They want to move on. They want to get rid of it quickly. You put it under contract, and you sell the contract.
0: Yeah, so I think the best part here is there's there's really no exposure from the ownership side, depending on how you close the deal. But wholesaling is really just signing paper and signing it back over, right? So on one side of the deal, your goal is to find that distressed seller, work with them directly, and put it under contract, and then take that contract and sell it to somebody else. It's no different than an option in the stock market. And honestly, the biggest thing here is that you could make unlimited funds as a wholesaler in a deal. It's all going to be based on your negotiating skill. Now, I'm not going to say that you're going to make six figures on every single assigned contract, but if you can pick up some, or if you can do some research on negotiating and you, or you're already a very skilled negotiator, wholesaling may be a great fit for you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so for example... Most people, when they start out wholesaling, and this is market dependent, but if you're doing a deal that's, you know, $100,000 or $150,000 or $200,000, Jimmy, what do you expect that the average starting out wholesaler might try to make on that?
0: Yeah, so I'd say don't be greedy, guys, right? So I would aim for $2,500 or 5000 So if you have a deal that's a little bit tighter, stick with it and assign the contract and shoot. Even if at the end of the day you figure out there's no margin and you get a $500 bird dog fee for referring the deal to somebody else, it's still better than $0. Absolutely.
1: Just like investing is a team sport. you know. It's proof of concept. Uh, we have wholesalers that we love that we're training right now, and uh, they've been very good with that. You know, The first time they listed a property, I think they listed it with a $7,500 wholesale fee, and they immediately dropped it to 5000 after a week of not being able to sell it.
0: I mean, on my first wholesale deal, I was fortunate to make $15,000, but I would say that's probably not going to happen every time. Sometimes you're going to be lucky to be good. And I was certainly lucky in that scenario, but I can remember another time where I didn't think the proper, we, were able to, we were going to be able to wholesale a property or we were going to have the right margins to flip it. But fortunately, my partner in the property management business was looking for a single family home to, to move his family into. And it worked out really well he scored a killer deal because just as he closed on that and he rehabbed it, the market turned in in a good way and in, in a great way um, where he was able to recognize about you know I think it was between 50 and sixty thousand dollars worth of value which we didn't think was there on the at the time that we were looking to wholesale it so it worked out really really well um but again I was just trying to Put that good karma back into the universe, and you know, put a great deal in my partner's hands and set his family up for success, so rather than being greedy and walking away from a deal that might not have been there.
1: The first property that I bought from a wholesaler, um, they made three thousand dollars on. Um, most of the time, they make between five and ten thousand, but it also depends on the size of the deal. I mean, if you come up to me and say I have a twenty-four unit under contract, I'm
0: going to take you a lot more seriously, and you're going to get right. paid.
1: You're going to get paid a lot more.
0: Right. So that that's a good that's a really good topic. So if you're an investor, I would tell you it doesn't matter what the wholesalers getting paid, as long as the deal is appropriate to the margins that you typically price your deals by. I think that's where a lot of investors get hung up in the sense that they kind of judge what the wholesaler is making. But if the wholesaler was able to negotiate a really good deal up front and you're able to achieve the margins that you're looking to make on the flip. Or on the buy and hold, or the burst bird deal. What does it matter what the wholesaler's making? That's based on their savvy as a wholesaler. Well, consider that a
1: philosophical
0: difference. But <laughs> I, I think you'd win the argument with most people. Frank, Frank wants the margins. I don't blame. No, no, no
1: I, I have no problem with with most wholesalers making good money. But I usually like to know what all the numbers
0: are. Yeah. So yeah. Nope. I'm I'm with you. Um, I agree. I think that. A lot of scenarios lately, locally in our in our own market, we we see a lot of these joint venture deals where we find out who the wholesaler is. You know, there are a couple links down the chain.
1: Yeah, I don't call them. whole I don't call it what you just called it. I call it daisy chain deals.
0: Daisy chain <laughs> deals. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this wholesaler
1: is getting it from this wholesaler is getting it from this wholesaler. We got four wholesalers making five thousand bank each,
0: which is possible, but it just gets a little. um screwy right so that's where as an investor you're going to make sure that your margins are still there the the, you have that margin of safety or that level of protection when you buy that deal you're making the appropriate amount of money that you want to make so i've given this example before but i think
1: well think about whether or not some people are saying that wholesaling is illegal and in a couple states it might be that's crazy i didn't even realize that it was but um Going with that, the reason why more and more legislat- legislatures are taking it up is because of all these like weird kind of things going on.
0: People, well, do you like, think don't it's because doing. the realtors are getting angry? Is that? What, do we think that's what it is? Well,
1: that might be true, too. But uh, I'll give you an example. I think I might maybe give this example on a previous podcast. There's a single family in the local city that we're standing in right now. Um, and there was a local wholesaler that obviously I won't mention his name. Uh, I know my market. So I knew the day that came up on MLS. I knew the day it came off MLS a week later, he brings it to me $5,000 more than MLS and says, do you want to buy this wholesale deal? And I didn't have the heart to get mad at him. I just said, no, I'm not
0: interested. So that, that's a big one. That's a big one. So in the beginning, I've, I've had folks that were positioning some themselves as wholesalers. And the properties on the market. Honestly, if it's on the market, that's public information. And that is not considered a wholesale deal. So if you're an investor looking to scrub these wholesale deals, that's step one. I always Google the address to see if it's on the market or it's been on the market recently. Even if they were able to secure a good deal from an expired listing or something else, Pay pay close attention to that previous listing because that could impair the marketability on the backside when you flip something, depending on the, on the size of the rehab. I'll
1: agree with you. Uh, on the flip side, we had a local one that
0: that just didn't make it, but
1: it was close. That it was for sale on MLS for like two hundred grand. Yeah. And they put it under contract for a decent one fifty something. Right. You know. So even though it was still listed on MLS, but no, I agree. It's more. That's more the exception than the rule.
0: Right. So if you're a wholesaler, how are you marketing, Frank?
1: I don't know. Shouldn't we put like a big uh, poster (laughs) on the side of the highway and all in glitz
0: and lights and everything else? So a lot of folks start out with bandit signs. And I will be honest, if you put your bandit signs in the right spots, your phone will blow up. You see a lot of bandit signs at red lights. I think that that is not a good spot for bandit signs.
1: So just to play with you, I was joking about outdoor advertising on the
0: highway, the big uh, the big posters. <laughs> I was joking. Hey, hey you know, the ones that cost $3,000 a month. Hey, you know what? You could probably put it over the over... Like, you could get one of those... Uh, a banner and put it over the overpasses and latch it onto the fence. The state's going to catch on eventually. I was going to say, how many days would that last? It's worth a shot. You figure... It, I mean, in Rhode Island, you could have 100,000 cars during rush hour to pass that fence and see that sign. So so why
1: do you think the, uh, at the stoplight is a bad idea?
0: I think p- too many people are looking at their phones nowadays. They're watching their GPS or they're checking their text messages um, when they're at the phone. So, uh, sorry, at the red light. And I, I don't think that's a great idea. Where I had the most success as a wholesaler was at the end of exit ramps, at the end of highway exit ramps, and typically ones that back up. And you can put those going into neighborhoods that you're interested in going into. There you go. So that would be my golden nugget related to bandit signs. Another form of marketing is yellow letters and yellow letters can become very expensive as compared to bandit signs. You can spend a couple hundred bucks, get, you know, 40 or 50 bandit signs. You can put them out and that'll definitely get your phone to start ringing. I'm not saying the leads are always going to get great and the bandit signs aren't always going to be there. But if you have the capital to invest in yellow letters, so building a list, of what you think are motivated seller addresses in sending out yellow letters. This is hands down the most effective strategy, but it's very capital intensive.
1: Why don't we throw out some ideas about what might be considered a motivated
0: seller? I can't give out my secret sauce here. All right, you don't have to. I'm just kidding. I'll just think of a few. (laughs) So I think that there are a number of different ways with the internet that you can go out and you can hunt for lists, right? Um, if so, when I first started, I was thinking that I wanted to buy more multifamily properties and if I couldn't buy them, I wanted to wholesale them. And if I was wholesaling them, when I had the capital, I could buy them. So it kind of works that inverse there. It's mutually exclusive. So I started thinking about what kind of a landlord would be willing to sell. And it had to be one with a higher amount of equity in their property. So I went out to list source at the time and I built a list around owners who had owned their property for five years and had uh, debt on the property less than $150,000. So I don't know if that would still be a good list at this point, but the other big thing on, that I dropped in there quickly was own their property for at least five years. I can remember I was doing research early on, That said that the average landlord only lasts two to five years. People get tired of the process. Sounds like teachers. They catch one (laughs) eviction. They catch one bad tenant. They're not able to handle the maintenance. And the wheels just fall off and they're done. So the phrase I use for those kind of people are usually tired landlords. Right. Tired landlords are the way to go. So So,
1: some ways to go after tired landlords might be um, hanging out in eviction court.
0: Which would be quite an experience. So I'm in eviction court this coming Friday, so if you guys want to check me out, i am be on a Gary He Judicial Complex putting on a show. Um, outside of that, another place where you can find tired landlords is through code enforcement records. So a lot of times, landlords will catch a bad tenant, they take them to eviction court, and before they go to eviction court, they're catching... Uh, violations from code enforcement. And these could be very simple things like the railing that the tenant pulled out because they were mad that they were getting taken to eviction court could have been fine before eviction court, but tenants will sometimes destroy things. So they think they have a better case in eviction court. Um, we've had good success with the code enforcement list.
1: Um, I'll give you an example of a tired landlord with that. We have a mutual friend who is a uh, busy picking up a property and, uh, one of the tenants kicked the uh, oil line in oh the basement. Oh, God. And it leaked throughout the basement. And it was it's not a uh, finished basement. So it was a porous basement that leaked right through into the dirt. And that was like a $25,000 hit. That is incredible.
0: Yeah. That is absolutely incredible. We're not here to scare you, though. <laughs> so um, if we think about other lists, other lists that I've heard wholesalers having success with are inherited lists. So U.S. Leads list, I think it's U.S. Leads list, produces a list of inherited properties. And at one point I was mailing that list uh, with a friend who's still a very successful wholesaler. He still mails this list. But man, I got more death threats from that list than I even care to tell you. People call me and tell me (laughs) to remove them from my list without giving me their name. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm in business to make money. Um, I was just mailing a high high equity list. Um, unfortunately, you're going to get another letter unless you give me your name. And they refused, threatened me. Um, that was one of the most challenging lists I've ever mailed. Um, but some wholesalers have a tremendous amount of success with it.
1: Absolutely. The last uh, single family that I bought from a wholesale, the um, the person had died, and uh, I don't think he had any kids. Yep and uh the sister who was in her 60s didn't want the property and uh, i don't know if they lived out of state or not but they just sold it quickly at a discount and i was able
0: to pick it up so the biggest takeaway here is that if you're going to wholesale figure out which i won't use the term tired landlords which tired owners you're best able to speak with so Try to find a motivated seller. That's that's the word you hear the most often. My, I'll, I'll say that my lack of success in wholesaling allowed me to recognize that I was really good at talking to tired landlords. And that's translated to success in the property management business. So through taking action with something that I don't do today in wholesaling, it, it opened up the door for me to figure out what I was good at. But even if you are going to stick with wholesaling, figure out which list you can best speak to those distressed sellers. That is going to be optimal to your success. So when you're advertising
1: on these bandit signs, yellow letters, everything else, what, um, what do you give for like phone numbers? What do you give for everything else? Uh, I, I know somebody, I laughed when I saw
0: it, that they put their Instagram handle on. <laughs> That's awesome. It's definitely different. So I'll touch on the Instagram handle thing in a second. I use the Google voice number. And I know a lot of wholesalers or even real estate investors that use a Google Voice m- number. It's free. Uh, there might be some paid-for options now. I haven't looked into it in a while. But that'd be a really great start. Um, if you're willing to give out your personal cell phone number, you can do that. They also sell burner phones at Seven Eleven. your choice. <laughs> right? So, um, but I would tell you that most folks use a Google Voice number.
1: I agree, I agree with the Google Voice number. Uh, I thought the Instagram handle was a bad idea because so many people put so much time and effort into that, that it's kind of hard to change later. So if there was a problem where like a city was going after you,
0: it'd be a little easier for them to find you. Right. That, you know, that's a really good perspective. In my mind, as a wholesaler, it's really all about getting credibility with the seller. And I think that via Instagram or having a website, even if it's a simple one page website allows that seller to meet you before they actually meet you, to gain credibility with them, because honestly, you may find a seller every once in a while that has a few different properties to sell to you, but that's more the exception than the rule. A lot of times this is like a one-off scenario where you may pick up one property from this one person, Um, but so I would pay attention to that. Can focus on developing good rapport.
1: Um, I'm thinking of one of the national brands, and we can mention the brand. There's nothing wrong with them. We buy ugly houses. Yep. You don't see them posting that on bandit signs. No. You, you see, you see them advertising, and they advertise huge on whole, yeah huge yeah. banners, everything else. You do see advertising, but you don't right. see them doing. Bandit signs are kind of uh, quasi illegal. Yeah. In some in some uh, jurisdictions.
0: Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that if if we drove to a class A neighborhood in Rhode Island and put a bandit signs, we would we would hear it. But again, like most of the time in Class A neighborhoods, you're not going to find a lot of those distressed properties. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. No, I agree. Um, So maybe stay focused on those C&D neighborhoods for those Mm -hmm. bandit signs. Different marketing strategies for different demographics. Absolutely. Another good strategy with the bandit sign, as I think about it, where I had some more success too, is um, finding a Home Depot parking lot to tuck a bandit sign in you may get lucky. It may get ripped out immediately, but you may get lucky. It may get left out for a while, but around those home improvement stores. Because as somebody's driving out to go fix that toilet one more time, they might be tired and give you a shout.
1: That is a good good golden nugget
0: though. So when we talk about building rapport, I think the, the third major, major strategy, if you're a wholesaler, is going to be building a website. There are services like OnCaret.com that can help you build the website and maintain it for you. There are a number of investors across the country who have successfully leveraged the services at OnCarrot. We are not being paid by them, but I personally did use it. I learned how to rank on Google. It was extremely helpful. It was a great tool. A lot of investors still use OnCarrot today, but I don't think that you have to go crazy. I think that if you really just put out a one-page website with a couple of pictures of the houses that you buy and a quick two-minute video of yourself talking about what you do, That is going to gain you so much credibility with the seller.
1: I agree 100%. I actually have never even heard of that website before. Um, One of the things I was thinking about with wholesalers, especially when they come to our local real estate meeting, is they'll stand up and they want to make a buyer's list. Yes. So what what do you think about the need for a buyer's list?
0: Uh, So this is like the chicken or the egg, right? Do you need a buyer's list or do you need a deal? I would tell you you need a deal. I don't believe you need a buyer's list. If you have the right deal, there are so many ways, through use of the internet nowadays, that you can find a buyer. Put it under contract first, worry about a buyer later. Finding a buyer can be as easy as going to your local real estate meetup, going on Bigger Pockets, posting on Craigslist, or having your realtor pull your list of cash buyers in that neighborhood. Folks who are already buying there. It's very, very easy information to find.
1: Well, i got to be honest with you, so um, whenever somebody asks to uh, make a buyer's list at the local RIA, I put my name on it, but I think they were overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, even if they do end up pulling off a deal or two, they have 50 names.
0: As a wholesaler, I would tell you to stay more focused on your farm area. So your farm area is going to be the geographic location of where you're looking to wholesale property. So... If you want to stay you know, within a range of 10 to 15 minutes from your house, get really good on knowing the details in that farm area. So when you find the right deal, you have it, and the cash buyers will naturally come. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, I'm laughing in my head. Um, I think about the baseball movie with Kevin Costner, The Field of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. If you have a deal, the cash buyers will be there. You have to trust the process. So even though we're not...
1: at oh, all. I know I'm not an expert at wholesaling, but I do consider myself um, a buyer of wholesale properties so I can help people understand what they want. Whenever we have new students that want to get into wholesaling, I always tell them, I said, work
0: on the deals. But So here's the thing to remember with wholesaling. You're not going to have – you may have success early, but that's more the exception than the rule. I agree. The biggest power in wholesaling or – sorry – I didn't phrase that correctly. Let me think about this one. The biggest biggest part to achieving success, the biggest piece to achieving success in wholesaling is going to be related to staying power. The longer you can stay in the game, the longer you hustle, the longer you market for deals, the more success you're going to have. Because you build experience. Not only experience, but guess what? All those lists that you mailed and all those phone numbers that you have, if you didn't close a deal, you can keep calling them. Well, it's funny you say that because we're not sitting in an office
1: right now. We're sitting on a property uh, in a residential building and uh, this was bought through a wholesale. Yeah. And this was bought on the 10th mailing.
0: See that? So a lot of people tell you, you get through six. Can you imagine going through 10? Or can you imagine the poor wholesaler that like, quits at three? It's like that photo that you see on Instagram oh, yeah, the, the guy's digging for diamonds, I right? Digging for gold, yeah. And the guy's like two feet away from a massive diamond when the guy above him dug a shorter path and he has a couple of smaller diamonds. Don't be focused on what these other folks are doing. Be focused on putting in the work and just continuously try to get better and keep that discipline of continue to scrub leads and and try to, try to get that deal. So the last part that I want to talk through here... Why we like wholesaling, once you get that staying power, once you get that discipline of going out, consistently marketing, whether it be through yellow letters, bandit signs, or the internet, the coolest thing about wholesaling is that it's scalable. And when I talk about being scalable, there are a number of different systems on the internet today that can help you scale and automate your business via wholesaling. So you're not going to have to stuff and lick every envelope you send out if you're sending yellow letters, there are yellow letter mail providers that can take care of that. The other big thing is that there are other businesses out there that, if you get nervous answering phone calls, there are legitimately call answering provide phone centers, call answering providers. I'm making up words here. There are phone answering services that are educated or that are built just for real estate investors. So one of those is CallRail. I did a lot of research a couple months ago because, candidly, I'm going to be getting back into the wholesaling game here very shortly. Um, but there are a lot of great service providers out there that can fill in the gaps where you struggle or can fill in the gaps where you no longer have time.
1: I don't want to give out the name directly, but we have a contact that does virtual assistants that does the same thing.
0: Yeah. So I know like one of them that I talked to, they actually have folks that sit in the United States. Um, but they have developed scripts yeah, and they have the ability to book time to your Google Calendar So it it completely streamlines the process and then they have like a different process For if they get something that they feel is a hot lead, but the coolest thing here is that They develop that blank, they develop that sense for when there is a hot lead because they're not just working with you They're working with other investors, and I think that that could be really valuable It all depends on the amount of money that you want to invest up front but any business that you get into, I think that you need to focus on whether the business is scalable. Because the end goal should be achieving freedom. Whether it be time freedom, financial freedom, or geographic freedom, my opinion is that you should always target a business that is scalable.
1: I'm always smiling from the Three Freedoms group.
0: I love the Three Freedoms stuff.
1: <laughs> so uh, if someone wanted to become a better investor with wholesaling, you would recommend what right now?
0: Becoming a better investor with wholesaling is, and I see some local wholesalers doing this, and this is really cool, and I don't know if there's a guru out there pitching this, going out every single day and finding a certain number of distressed addresses. I think that that is the best thing to help you level up your game. Even if it's 10 addresses walking your dog around the neighborhood, it is that consistent discipline that is going to get you more deals and going to set you apart.
1: So you're going to laugh. You didn't even know this. Uh, we spent uh, 90 minutes. I spent 90 minutes driving with one of our two of our students this morning. And we found 15 uh, potential deals.
0: Right. So there it is. There it is. It's as simple as getting in the car and driving your neighborhood.
1: Their goal is to get, I think, 50 a day.
0: And by the way, there is a marketing strategy that we did not touch on. So that is called driving for dollars. When you drive your neighborhood... And you're looking for distressed properties. That is another great way to find deals.
1: Any book recommendation for this podcast?
0: I'm fresh out on a book recommendation. I can make other ones, but specific to wholesaling, I don't have one. Do you have one?
1: No, I was thinking about one or two, but we've actually already recommended them before, so I, I can't do those. So what
0: else? It doesn't have to be real estate related. Right? Fresh out of book recommendations. This is good stuff. So I'm going to give a book recommendation of something that I haven't read but I see the pops up all over the internet, and that is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. So um, He's amazing. Candidly, I uh, have purchased the book, and I'm waiting for it to come in. So I am really excited. I think it correlates to wholesaling based on my understanding of the book. Just because when you get out there and you're dealing with these distressed scenarios, it's not easy. A lot of people selling these distressed properties have a personal attachment to it. And if you can get past that and not allow some of the negative things that happen to you as a wholesaler, you can be really successful. So, guys, we hope you like this podcast. If you did, give us a share on Instagram. If you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be super helpful, too. We appreciate you. Um, in between time, if you want to get access to more content, check us out on Instagram under the handle the Cashflow Kings. Or feel free to check out our website at cashflowkings.com. Cheers to your success.
1: The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.